Well, if you've got a Bible, folks, turn with me to John chapter 1. It's two weeks to go, 15 days, as my kids reminded me this morning, 15 days to go until Christmas Day. And in the run-up to Christmas, we're going to spend a bit of time uh, in John's Gospel. We're going to take a few weeks of th- uh, thinking about uh, Jesus coming and particularly thinking of how he came as light. Uh, light is one of those things that we see plenty of, don't we, at this time of year. Most of us, I think, have probably got some decorations up, a tree up. There's some strange people who don't put their tree up until uh, much later in the month. But if you haven't got a tree, at least you've seen your tr- uh, trees being decorated in other people's homes and in restaurants and out and about, we see um, uh, our thing is Advent candles in our house, and we've got to be careful that we don't go past the next number, as we've done a few times this week already. And there's some spectacular houses, isn't there, around about as people who rarely go to town and clad their homes uh, with, with light. And all of this extra light that we see at this time of year collides with, with what seasonally is the, the darkest time of the year, uh, the nights are still getting longer. Uh, they don't actually reach their, their longest night until December the 22nd, the winter solstice. And on December the 22nd, there'll be somewhere near eight hours less daytime than what we're going to get in the mid of June next year. And we can't wait for that, can we? A bit more light. It's noticeably dark. We notice it and we feel we feel the need for light. We feel that physically. Like those of us who get up early, it's extra hard, isn't it, to get up early on these darker nights. If you're uh, that way inclined and you like to get up early and go and exercise, go for a run, go for a ride, do some stretches, whatever, it's extra hard to get up and do that and to be motivated when it's dark at this time of year. We feel it physically and we feel it mentally and emotionally as well. Quite a few of us at this time of the year, our mental health suffers during the darker days of the seasons. We feel it physically, we feel it emotionally, mentally, but there is also a spiritual component. It's it's really highlighted during this season. Right at the start of the Bible, back in Genesis chapter one, we we have the, the account of how everything around us was made, the creation account. And in the first three sentences of Genesis, we hear about how God brings light into the darkness. Genesis chapter one, verse one, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then in verse three, these are probably familiar words to us, so we can say them together when I get there, if you know it. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God brings light into the physical darkness. And then when we get to the New Testament, we see that God isn't just about bringing physical light into physical darkness. He's about bringing spiritual light into spiritual darkness. And we see that so clearly in John's Gospel. Um, All of the readings this afternoon will be up on the screen, but if you have got your Bible, John will be a great place for you to sit in this afternoon. John chapter one, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John, sorry, is, is uh, writing and he begins his gospel in these first 18 verses with what, what is called a prologue. Now, if you think of a, 
of a, a film or a play or some novels, quite often you get a prologue at the start. And the prologue is basically setting the scene for what is about to come. And the Apostle John is setting this scene. He is telling us that Jesus is coming. And that Jesus is coming specifically as one who brings life. We're going to see that next week. And one who brings light. And it's interesting, as he writes these first few verses here, he mirrors how Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is written. He mirrors the creation account. He uses the same words to begin. Look down there in verse 1. In the beginning. Exactly the same as Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning. Instead, he doesn't go on to say, in the beginning, God created Jesus. He says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, who John calls the Word in chapter 1 here, John tells us Jesus wasn't created. He was right there at the start. In fact, more than that, in in verse uh, 3, he says this, Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. And without him was not anything made that was made. John is saying that Jesus wasn't just there at the beginning of creation. He is the creator who began creation. So if you put John chapter 1 together with Genesis chapter 1, you see that that really God's word is telling us this. Jesus, the word, has always existed and he is God himself. That's who he is. Not someone who just turned up. Not not someone who, who God the Father created. Jesus has always existed and he is God. And then John goes on to tell us this in verse four and five about Jesus. In him was life. And that life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness And the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So John's prologue, remember, is setting this scene. He's setting the scene for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus coming and putting on human flesh and blood. And as he builds this scene, we see that that Jesus is coming as the God-man He's coming to humanity and he comes with something. John says he comes with life and he comes with light. And it's not physical light because he's already done that. Back in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, he's already brought physical light. In his carnation, he now brings spiritual light. And the question is Why? Why did Jesus need to come to bring spiritual light? Well, the answer is because humanity lives in spiritual darkness. Humanity lives in spiritual darkness. Genesis chapter 1, those first few verses, very similar to John chapter 1, which is very similar again to another book in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul who writes it, is just like John is doing here and just like Moses does in Genesis, he is telling us some foundational truths about God and some foundational truths about humanity. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter one, it'll be on the screen, verse 18 to 23. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is telling us something about the spiritual darkness that all humanity are brought into. And if you start right to the end of of that passage there in verse 21, he shows us this, that the the reality of living in spiritual darkness is this, that, that our hearts are darkened. Now, if you were here through our series in Song of Songs, you remember that our hearts are the core of our being. It's the seat of our identity, the seat of our nature. And the Bible is telling us that we come into this world with our nature, with our our identity being darkened. Verse 21, we see that this spiritual darkness hinders us from rightly loving God. We didn't honour him, we didn't give thanks to him. Verse 20, we see that that being in spiritual darkness, this isn't something that's imposed on us. It's our responsibility. We are there without excuse. Verse 90, being in spiritual darkness, that leads us to reject what is good. We see that God revealed himself to us, but we chose to reject him. Then right to the start of the passage there. Ultimately, spiritual darkness is the result of our sin which God judges humanity for. The wrath of God is revealed against ungodliness, against unrighteousness. That's that's our sin rebellion against God. And then the Apostle Paul, he writes another letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says, all of us come into the world in that place, in a place of spiritual darkness. He describes it as, as a place like a kingdom, a domain or a kingdom of darkness. That means that we are ruled over In this place of darkness, we come in, every single one of us, into a kingdom of darkness. And folks, that isn't good news. It's not good news for primarily these three reasons. Because evil rules in the darkness, because confusion rules in the darkness, and because ultimately death rules in the darkness. (coughs) The kingdom of darkness is not a place that we want to be because evil rules in the darkness. Just, just think a little bit about physical darkness for a moment. Think about what we know about the physical darkness. Things don't grow in the dark. Or at least good things don't grow in the dark. There are things that grow in the dark, but they're not things that you want to spend your time with. Um, if you've ever seen one of those Attenborough documentaries where they send a camera or a submarine down into the depths of the ocean and they switch the lights on for the first time. You know, there's no natural light down there. And you get to see what some of the creatures in darkness look like. And they are ugly. Like you don't want to hang around with some of those things down there. And they, they look ugly and they sound ugly, right? Anglerfish, that's what you find down there. Whiplash squid, the common fangtooth, a viperfish. Like these are not friendly sounding or looking creatures you're not getting koala bears and cockapoos at the bottom of the ocean it is hard to nurture beauty without light we think about that physically but let's think maybe more seriously about what that means spiritually in john's gospel in john chapter three we read this people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil Everyone who does evil hates the light. 
John is telling us there is nothing good that grows in spiritual darkness. The only thing that flourishes in spiritual darkness, folks, is evil. Evil thoughts, evil words, evil desires, evil actions. Kingdom of darkness is not a place that we want to stay, folks. Here's the other thing. Confusion rules in the darkness. If you've ever woken up in the dark and tried to make your way to the toilet or to get a glass of water in the middle of the night, you know that to be true. Confusion rules in the darkness. If you've ever, as a young boy, been at your Auntie Hazel's house and woke up in the dark and made your way, fumbled your way out of the room, managed to fumble your way to the toilet, and then come back to what you thought was your room, got into what you thought was your bed, climbed next to your Auntie Hazel, and then been woken up by her shrieks and screams, you know that confusion rules in the darkness, metaphorically speaking. But again, folks, think about this spiritually. Back in Romans chapter 1, Paul talked about those who walk in spiritual darkness as those who suppress the truth and those who are futile in their thinking. He goes on and he emphasizes a little bit further down what that means. He says, those who are in darkness, they've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They've exchanged what is true for what is a lie. And folks, we see that all around us, don't we? Like we see a world that is confused every day. You turn on the news, you listen to the the discussions on social media, you see what what people are getting passionate about and you see how confused we are in this world about what is true and what is good and what is lovely and what is honourable and what is right. You get people thinking that they are bringing light into the darkness when actually what they're doing in their actions is bringing more darkness into the darkness because they are so confused. Because they are exchanging the truth about God for a lie constantly. Because they live in this kingdom of darkness. Think about, think about our government this week. Think about how they've made fun on social media. And made light on social media about the deportation of immigrants to an oppressive regime. That's not a political statement, by the way. People who are meant to be leading us in ways that are honourable and respectful, and right. And yet they just make fun about such a serious issue. Think about how many in the trans movement are using mental health as a justification for hormone therapy for for children. And they think that they're bringing light into the darkness. No, they're bringing darkness into darkness. Friends, our world is confused around issues of gender, around issues of sexuality, around issues of justice, around issues of honour, around issues of respect, around issues of love. And they are confused because they live in a kingdom of darkness where they have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. The kingdom of darkness is not a place that we want to stay, folks. Confusion rules in the darkness and then Here we see, so so does death. Where there is light, there is life. Where there is darkness, there is death. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin, the payment of sin, rebellion to God is death. That is the result of a life lived in spiritual darkness. A life lived where confusion rules and reigns. A life lived where evil rules and reigns. The result of a life lived there, folks, is death. That is the payment that we earn for our sin rebellion towards God. And it's not, it's not talking just about physical death at the end of this life. It is talking about spiritual death. Spiritual te- death. Hell. That's what it's talking about. Eternal conscious judgment for our sin. And friends, spiritual death is not something that we can just wriggle free from. It's not something that we can break free from in our own strength. Spiritual death is common to everyone who lives in a kingdom of darkness. And spiritual death is strong and it is crushing. Imagine for a moment that you're at the gym. It's a stretch for some of us, I know, but just imagine. And you're there and you're sitting on the bench press, which is the one that you're lying back and you're pushing the weights up, okay? And imagine you're, you're there for the first time. You've got no idea how heavy the weights are going to be. And you think, I can do this. And you lie down on the bench and you push the weights up. But it's a lot heavier than what you thought. And it comes out of the frame and all of a sudden, straight away, just falls down onto your chest. And it's heavy and it's crushing. And, and there's no way, you've got no strength to be able to, to free yourself from it. Friends, that is what spiritual death is like. It is crushing down on you. All through this life, if you live in a kingdom of darkness, the reality of spiritual death that is coming towards you, it is like a weight upon you that is too heavy for you to shift. And one day, folks, it is going to lead to not eternal life, but eternal death. Now imagine you are that person in the gym and the weight has fallen on you. What do you do? What do you do? You ask for help. You scream out for help, right? Like you ask, can someone come and get this weight off me? But see, the problem is this. When you live in a kingdom of darkness, you've exchanged the truth about God for a lie. The truth about God when it comes to our spiritual death is this. You cannot free yourself. You cannot save yourself. You cannot lift the weight of death off yourself. But when you're not listening to your truth, it's the truth, you're listening to the lie, which is this. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can sort this out. And that's what happens when you live in a kingdom of darkness. You try and lift the weight yourself. Oh, if I just do enough good works, I'll be all right. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way through. Or if I'm just a good person. Like people say nice things about me. Surely that'll be enough for me to escape what is coming. Except none of those things are strong enough. Which is why the coming of Jesus is such good news. Jesus came to lift the weight of death off us. And he came to release us and free us from a kingdom of darkness. Listen again to what we heard in John chapter 1 verse 4 and 5. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If you take one verse with you through Advent, take that. Jesus has come and the darkness has not overcome him and cannot overcome him. 
In his incarnation, Jesus steps into the darkness. And as he steps in, he deals with evil. He deals with confusion. And ultimately, he deals with our death. And he comes as light. Light which shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it, cannot overcome it, and will not overcome it. I was speaking to a friend this week who, a little bit like me, is a bit of a space fanatic. And he was telling me about the power of the sun. We were having a conversation about um, the sun, as in the sun that's in the sky. And he was uh, uh, just kind of telling me about, about how scientists mock the sun in a, a little bit of a, a, a geeky scientist's way. They will say, uh, you know, it, it, it's bright and it's powerful, but it's only an average-sized sun. There are bigger suns out there. Which is interesting because when we look at the sun, it's the most powerful thing that we know, isn't it? It's, it's bright. We feel the heat during the summer. We, we, we see it and we look at it. In fact, we can't even look at it. When we try and look at it, it hurts our eyes. And so we divert our eyes a little bit or shield our eyes from it because it's so powerful. And yet astronomers say that is just an average size star. I read into it a little bit more. And one astronomer described our sun quite comically as lazy, as boring, as not really applying himself. <laughs> This is a little bit like some of us in school, isn't it? Compared to other stars, it's just a bit of a star. Our sun, rightly enough, is one of maybe billions of stars in the universe. There is another star that we can see with the naked eye, a star called Acturus. Acturus is 26 times bigger than our sun and 170 times brighter than our sun. Imagine how bright our sun is on on a bright summer's day, and then imagine that brightness being amplified 170 times. Beyond our galaxy, there's another star called Canis Majoris. And Canis Majoris is somewhere near 2,000 times bigger than our sun. Just think of the power of light that is emitted from our sun and magnify that 2,000 times over. And then step back and remember what we heard in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus created them. Jesus created our son. Jesus created Actorus. Jesus created Canis Majoris. He spoke all of those stars and suns into existence. So when John tells us in his gospel that the light shines in the darkness, let's hear what he's saying. He's not talking about a candle in a dark room. He's not talking about a bright sunny day. He is talking about a cosmic power that pulverizes the power of evil. A cosmic power so strong that it pulverizes the deepest of lies and the dark certainty of death. That's who we're talking about when we're talking about one who overcomes the power of darkness. Think about just for a moment the words that we sing to to one of our favorite Christmas carols. We're going to sing it in a little while. Oh, holy night. Oh, holy night, the stars are... I nearly started singing it then. I need to refrain. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world was held captive in sin, held captive in evil, in a kingdom 
that is ruled with evil. They were held captive in error, a kingdom of confusion, until, until Jesus appeared. And when he appeared, it was like a new and glorious morning dawning on humanity. The light broke in onto the darkness. His life, John tells us, was a life that was full of grace and truth, a light truly of light. And even though in his death it seemed like the darkest of days, in his resurrection a light far more powerful than all of the suns combined rose on humanity on that third day. But what about now? We know that Jesus ascended after his resurrection. The light went to be with the Father. So is that it? Has he come and has he gone and are we just going to wait until the light returns? Well, actually, while we wait, we see in God's word that Jesus continues to overcome darkness and he does so through his people. When Jesus, the light of the world, ascended, he gave his spirit to the church to continue his work. We read this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul is writing to the church and he says this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, church, we push back darkness. That is the ministry of the church, to shine the light of Christ into the evil confused and dying world that we've been placed into, we push back darkness. That's the mandate that's been given to us, the mission that has been given to us. Now that we have seen the light of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we show that to the world around us. And our prayer is, as we go, that the darkness is pushed back. What does that look like? What will that look like for us this week as we close? Well, think about what characterized the kingdom of darkness, evil confusion and death as we seek to be a people who push back darkness let's seek to bring the things that those things aren't so where there is evil let's seek to bring righteousness where there is confusion let's sing to seek to bring truth where there is death let's pray that we see life so where there is evil bring righteousness and folks we've got to start with our own lives as we take this meal in a moment we get an opportunity to do that to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to put sin to death in our own lives and to help us to live a life of righteousness, a life that is pleasing to God this week. We push back darkness, folks, firstly in our own lives. And so can I encourage us as we take this meal in a moment, take a moment to confess, to repent of your sin and to walk by faith in the righteousness of Christ. Where there is evil, bring righteousness. Where there is confusion, bring truth. We still live in a world of confusion, a world of lies. And so the church brings to that world the only thing that we know to be true, which is the gospel. We bring Jesus. We bring the words of Jesus. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. So friends, illuminate your path this week with the words of Jesus. If you don't know where to start, maybe, maybe now in this Advent season, it's a good chance just to, to pick up the Bible again or, or get an Advent devotional on the Bible app. You can do that with someone else, do it with someone in your gospel community or a friend or a spouse. Read together during this season. 
And as you're walking in the light, encourage others to come and walk in the light with you. Pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities this week to invite others in to hear the truth of the gospel. Take your invite with you that was on your seat. Pray over it this week. Think about who you could invite to come along next week to hear the gospel. Where there is confusion, bring truth. And finally, where there is death, bring life. Folks, this is one thing that we can't control. Only Jesus has the power to raise the dead, but we do get to bring our petitions to him in prayer. And during the Christmas season, we're encouraged, aren't we, to retreat and to, and to find comfort and to enjoy ourselves. And it's not that those things are bad. Those things are good if they're done rightly. But this season is one of the most powerful reminders for the church that Christ came into the world to save sinners. The bundle of flesh that we remember over these next few days that we remember during the season came God of God light of light and he came into this dark world to save sinners so could you find time this week could you find time over this season to to bring those who you know are still in a kingdom of darkness to bring them to the Lord in prayer to lift them up to to Jesus the light of the world and to ask him to save. I'm going to give us a moment to do that now as I pray for us. And we're going to sing together. As I pray, maybe this is an opportunity just to think about who that person or who those people might be. People who you know are still in that kingdom where evil reigns, where confusion reigns, where death reigns. And to bring them to Jesus. And to ask him to bring life. Let's pray. And the guys are going to lead us as we respond in song and then we'll share this meal together. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that as he came, he came as one who brings life, eternal life for your people and he came as one who brings light into the darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for what you saved us from. You saved us from a kingdom of darkness where where evil rules where where confusion rules and where death was coming for us thank you that you have lifted the weight of death from us that you've ransomed us from the grave that you've defeated our great enemy satan sin and death but now as your people we ask for your help help us to live in ways which reflect your light help us to live lives which pursue righteousness and not sin. Help us to be a people of truth this week. Help us to to spend time in your word and to encourage others into the light of your word. Jesus, we're here in this place because you planted a church where there is darkness. And so we ask that your light would break into the lives of those that we are thinking of now, those that we hold dear, our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours, people that we know around us, people who we know are walking in darkness. And just in this moment of quiet, Lord Jesus, we, we bring these people to you.
Jesus, we bring them to you because you are the only one who can save. Many of us have seen that in our own lives. We have seen the power of your light in our lives. We ask that you would do it again. Give us boldness to be the people you've called us to be this week. Encourage us with what you saved us from and what you saved us into. A kingdom of light and life. Stare our hearts for those around us. Embolden us, we pray. Father, as we sing now, we ask that you would lift our eyes to see Jesus. You would help us to see him for who he is. That you would stare our affections for him. And that you would cause us to worship him. The one who is full of grace and truth. The one who has come to us, saved us, ransomed us, and won us into your family. Jesus, we love you. We worship you and we praise you and it's in your name that we pray.